the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, joining me to discuss all things Tottenham this week. Like most weeks, it's Matt. Hey you mate, another good week of being a Spurs fan, isn't it? It, it is, but um, I, I need to tell you, and I've not told you before the show started. We actually need to start uh, this week with a little bit of a bit of sad news, okay. a bit of a bit of an announcement. Um, uh, as many people who listen to the show will know, this this is going to be very very difficult for me to have to announce. Um, but I think it's key that everyone knows exactly what's going on, and everyone knows. Um, you know, is this important? Uh, I'm really sorry to say to all the Tottenham fans and everybody who's a big fan of this podcast and a big fan of Spurs News, Laura has closed her own fans. <laughs> Mate, we didn't know where you was going with that. Because you never warned me about that before no, we started. No, 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 I didn't. Um, yeah, so, look, yeah, the only fans is gone. I'm sorry, everybody. And the reason why it's gone, and, and I'm saying this now, being serious, massive congratulations, Laura. She is engaged. Oh, congratulations, Laura. I know, right? I mean, oof. Now, the funniest thing about this for me is I'm starting to think that this engagement was because of a bet. <laughs> Hear me out. He's an Aston Villa fan. We went there and tranked them 4-0. The next day, they're engaged. Yeah. Something tells me there was a bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, whatever. You beat us 4-0. Yeah, we'll get married, love. <laughs> Boom! Yeah, yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's Sonny doing the old heart symbol. <laughs> for, oh, for Laura, he's right meant there. to be. Yeah, it's clearly meant to be. But yeah, so uh, massive congratulations, Laura. Uh, for all the emails I get on a regular basis about Laura, uh, yeah, she's off the market now, guys. I'm sorry, you have to move on. Oh, you, you, you can, you can, like, you know, spoon over somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. Uh, but yeah, congratulations. I know she listens because whenever I say something stupid, I always hear about it. So. Uh, yeah, um, big well done to them, and that is a perfect segue because her other half, husband to be, is an Aston Villa fan. We went to Villa Park and won four nil. Um, mate, I I did not see that coming. <laughs> it was it was a really strange game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I, yeah. I um, I went to uh, so I took the children to this like a um. I don't know if it's a new thing, but there was like a fair, at, uh, like a local fair where we were. Mm. And it wasn't like, you know, normally when you go to these fairs that, that rock up, you kind of, you know, you pay £2 for that ride, £3 for that ride, etc. Yeah. This one, you just pay £10, they get a wristband and they literally have three hours to do what the hell they like. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was really well, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So I'm sitting there, um, obviously while they're all just doing their thing, going on the up and down the, the inflatable slides. I'm obviously sitting down, having a coffee, looking at the football scores. Yeah. And straight away, Arsenal one nil. Right, that's not going to last. They'll they'll yeah, easily yeah, trounce yeah. them second. It's bright. It's Brighton, and no disrespect to Brighton, because I know we got them at the weekend. So I don't yeah, want to yeah, yeah. The, the mighty Brighton. The mighty. Yeah. yeah but you, you just thought this is one Arsenal. They, they're going to they're yeah. going to want to come back from their defeat uh, against Palace, aren't they? 
And then, lo and behold, 2 0. What the hell? And then, yeah. after the Man United result against Everton, you're like thinking, yeah. okay, so Wolves lost, Man United lost. Right, this is all kind of fitting into place here. Mm. We need to win today, right? And yeah. you just think, I've been a Spurs fan for too long. It's yep. just never going to happen. Yeah. So, walking home, right, let's watch the game when we get home, Seb. We go 1 0 up, and then. They are just absolutely all over us, aren't they, Sam? They are, it, yeah. it is just this isn't how how on earth are we going to end up like we're going to concede at least one, two, and you've got Danny <laughs> Ings who loves scoring against us. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he missed two unbelievable yeah. chances in this game. And then the final whistle, four nil. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's an absolute madness. Um, I had a conversation with someone after the game because there was this sort of narrative going around of like how lucky we were and stuff, and it's like, yeah. Definitely. You you do get some luck in games, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. But look, Hugo Lloris was fantastic. You yes. Know, that, 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 that isn't luck. That guy works hard and is just a great goalkeeper. Um, the defenders, um, for all the flack and the chances, were actually playing very well. Um, you know, they, they actually did their jobs well. Villa were just playing outstandingly well. Um, yeah. Halftime, uh, by all accounts, there was a slight adjustment where our midfield midfielders sat deeper to deny that space to Coutinho. Uh, and once we did that, they never really looked like they were going to cut us open again. And I felt their heads went a bit when we went 2-0 up. Yeah. Now, speaking of heads going, one of the major things from this game for me, which I was kind of surprised at, was the physicality. Um. I was watching it. Now, clearly, Gerard had instructed the team to go in hard. I mean, you just look at the channel. I'm not saying they were uh, red card challenges, left, right, and centre. But, I mean, they were the physicality was up a notch. They were mm. going for it. Yeah. And I do think that rattled us. I do think that that tactic, that kind of get into Tottenham, did throw us off for a while. Um, and I can't... Uh, a few people are like different versions of this and stuff. And... The challenge on Doherty, for example, which has now ruled him out for the season, uh, I don't think the guy even got booked. And like I, I saw someone say, like, well, he took the ball. Oh, like, yeah, no, granted, he did definitely take the ball, but his follow his other foot, like, hit him around the knee. Surely that's not okay, you know. Mm. Surely that is a yellow card, you know. And I'm not saying it's red. I'm not saying that the physicality of the game should be taken away. That's not me at all. You know, I grew up in the 80s where that challenge was the, the perfect. Mm. But the game has moved on. I know that. You know that. So I don't really understand the referee in it because it felt to me like it was inevitable someone was going to get hurt the way the challenges were going in. And although I don't like seeing a booking shown early in a game so early that it then the game then becomes placid, when... You're, you're part of the duty of the referee surely is the protection of the players and in that instance those challenges were going in thick and fast and like I said Doherty is now out for the rest of the season just as the guy found form which is a cruel cruel thing to happen yeah completely and do you know it's really weird isn't it I know we talked about him last week as well but can you imagine I don't know even two months ago saying oh man I'm gutted Doherty's out for the rest of the season you'd be like yeah really but yeah, he, you're he right. Shocked, yeah. He's found form, and 
Royale's got to stick up, step up now, isn't he? He's got to step up for oh, the rest of the massively, season. massively, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just in terms of, like, the personnel, uh, Royale does need to step up. Um, I think we've got players in there around the side who can uh, potentially cover there if need be, etc. So, I'm not... It's obviously sad. The player has found form finally, playing in a role he understands, and we as a team are playing well. So, it's gutting for him that this has happened, but... At the same time, I'm not overly thinking about that. I, I was more focused on the the physicality of the game. I mean, what what did you think about it? Because me, I, I genuinely thought the referee lost control. What about you? Yeah, and and you you touched on the fact that you, you think Gerard that was his instructions pre-game. Well, well I and, think it must have been because it. I, I've watched Villa a few times this year. That's not normally how they play. No, but but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, just randomly saw I don't know, on Facebook or TikTok a, a kind of a minutes clip of Gerard, some of Gerard's tackles, and yeah. he was a very combative midfielder. You know, yeah, he he time, got yeah. stuck in, but you know, he, with with him, I mean, I know he picked up a few yellow cards, but he also pulled off some really good tackles. So yeah. the, the guy was aggressive as a player, so he's yeah. he's going to have that aggression. Always going to have the, the the feeling to kind of give give Villa the gr- aggression and, and know how to do it, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't a surprise from that point of view with it being Gerard Gerard um, as a manager of Villa, yeah. you know. But I guess look, so they're, they're playing at home, yeah. uh, and I, I mean, I'd argue, I mean, I'd argue that we're a better team. We're, I mean, is, is that fair yeah. to say? Well, we just beat them four 0 Yeah, that ground, I think, I think it's it's, we're a team. it's difficult, isn't it? Because <clears> we've won a few games. And I don't want to sound like oh, you know, we're this really big team now that belong in yeah, the top yeah, four, yeah. although we're here, you know. But you, you kind of feel like if you're playing a bit, let's put you can't see it, but air quotes a bigger team. Okay, let's put us in yeah. that air quote. You kind of think being a, being aggressive is going to get the fans behind you, isn't it? When you're at home. Yeah. You know that they're gonna like. You know what it's like. You know you've had a few beers and a, and your players are getting stuck. And come on, like you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So Gerard's obviously had that thought process, and it worked. First half, it worked, didn't yeah. it? You know. Yeah, yeah And and they was unlucky. Yeah. And I mean, like you know, we talk about Ings normally like so clinical against us. That that chance yeah. he had when he got crossed in and he ended up kicking one foot against the other. Yeah. I mean I that like you'd say luck. I guess luck is it. Luck, luck is the is the case. Luck was on our side because. Yeah. He would. You, I was just waiting for that net to bulge. Me but, too. But, yeah. at the, but at the same time, you know, again, you touched on Larice. Larice was on fire. I mean, that yeah. could, that Coutinho free kick, that direct Coutinho free kick, just oh, before half time. Yeah, he, yeah. he not only did he have to be on the ball, you know, but he was sharp. And not only did he get it out, but then you know, he's when the ball sort of rebounded up, he's jumping, he's got it, you know, and yeah, he just yeah. felt safe with Hugo being there. Um, as you normally do. I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, I know he has his moments, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's games like that that you realise that when those rare moments do happen, we really do, as a fan base, need to go, ah, crap, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, I think it was eight shots on target, and of those eight shots on target, we're we're talking six of them were great saves, at least. It wasn't just, like, eight shots that were dribbled to him and he just picks them up. This is, like, real couple of them real close range you know there's that one that the guy struck beautifully and he managed to get it up over the bar is that the one I just was was that the one where he just sort of I can't think of the player's name where he just glided yeah. through our defenders yeah, like butter yeah, yeah. and yeah. somehow Lloris I mean I, I, I remember uh, uh, mentioning a few years ago in a, in a Champions League game how Lloris like and, I, and I've probably said this 
people listen all the time they'd be oh he's talking about this story again but that mm. that one where they looked at the time but before it left the place yeah, foot and it, and it was it was quicker than it was quicker than a mouse click and to be honest if you watched that in real time i, yeah. f- I swear that was similar the, yeah, the, the, no, the speed of reaction you know yeah it no, was incredible one handed and the and it's funny because there was another shot um that he sort of one-handed sort of palmed away mm. and i remember the commentator saying oh it was like a kind of alluding to it possibly being like a standard save yeah and me and Seb just looked at each other like that wasn't standard <laughs> Do you know what no mean? I know <laughs> the, 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 the comment I, I often find com- I mean commentary teams are so hit and miss anyway but I often find with goalkeepers especially they seem to have a real inflated opinion of what is simple and what is basic yeah like oh you know well you know he's grandstanding there you know he made that he made that save look difficult and you're like what are you talking about (laughs) so i'm not you know i'm not a goalkeeper myself but even i'm watching this replay can tell that ball freaking moved yeah yeah completely you know he's going one way then he's got back the other way and then you're slagging him off for it it's like i don't yeah yeah i do think goalkeepers life's a a pretty difficult one in terms of you know being impressive you make one error you've conceded a goal striker makes 15 errors in a game scores one off his ass and everyone thinks he's a hero yeah it's like i've always said though sam it's because the goalkeeper's the last line of defense isn't it the goalkeeper messes up it's in the back of the net whereas like yeah the striker messes up you've got the whole team to get through before you're gonna anything goes wrong you know yeah no no completely um one one of the things that's uh come out that we need to talk about um just because it's again it's kind of segue to this is after the game uh antonio conte i was i was listening to him talk um and he sounded and it's funny because i remember at the time thinking to myself wow he sounds like he's lost his voice you know he sounds like he is absolutely screened for 90 minutes which if you ever watch Conti cam is pretty accurate yeah. I, think. I think the guy does kick every ball and shout instructions from start to finish but you see he looked you know he sounded like really hoarse more than usual uh, and then of course the news has come out yesterday that actually at the weekend following that game he tested positive for covid um the club have said in a statement to various press outlets yesterday that uh you know he's got no real symptoms he's he's okay um but he's obviously separated from the team coached remotely so to speak but they they think he'll be fine for saturday uh i'd like to think so i think he does have a real impact being there please tell me that they had like this robot with like a big screen just going around the training pitch with Conte just sort of you know like a futuristic uh, like I, I get the impression all the players got handed earbuds like right we're gonna put them in it's a group call and he's watching on that monitor and you're just like you're running around and all of a sudden you got him screaming in your ear that was crap whoa what the fuck yeah do you know what though all joking aside though Sam do you think um He's going to have an effect, detrimental or not, on on the weekend with him not being able to be at the training uh, training ground this week. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, I, it's difficult because I don't think any of us can ever really know unless you're in the environment. But what I would say is from the outside looking in, ever since we've had the ability to prepare for games more than a day or two days, there is a noticeable difference in our performance. I'm not just talking about results here. I'm just talking about a noticeable difference. I'm obviously, the results have come with that, but I watch us play now and I can see a Conte team. I can see football being played. I can see patterns. I can see players knowing what they're supposed to be doing and why. 
you know, you, you can really see a difference, in my opinion. So, um, him not being there, will that impact us for this game, given that he's been there every week for the however many weeks? I guess I guess the game will tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to think <clears throat> not. I'd like to think that even if he isn't able to physically be on the training ground, his message is certainly being relayed. Um, and I think the players know their expectations of them now. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and I think that none of them would want to be in a position where he returns and they let him down. I, I think as well, when um, you might see it differently, but for, for me, it feels almost like um, under the Pochettino era where we had a style of play and it yeah. didn't matter who we played, we kind of played like that, you know? And, yeah. you, you know... Uh, I don't know. I, I get the feeling with like the fact he, he doesn't change the first eleven. Obviously, he's got to change uh, this week, you know, with Matt yeah. Doherty out. But it's almost like don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate that they study the opposition, and and you know, it's not just like let's just go and play like this regardless. There is yeah. there is an element of you know who are we playing, but I, I don't know. I feel like because of this, because of the system that we've the the the, the way we play now and the system we play and the way we play, it's almost like. The, hopefully the players will have it. They'll know that they'll know how to. They'll know how to play anyway. Yeah, but I know because under obviously under Mourinho it was very much how how are the other who are the opposition? Let's play to counter attack them or let's play yeah. to counter counter them. Whereas with the with Conte it feels a bit more like the Pochettino kind of way of you know. You, this you, is how we play. Yeah, um, do you know? I'm, I'm, I, I do. I do think. I mean, one of the interesting things came out this week was a, an article about the difference. Um, so, because he now has the time between games, because we're not playing twice a week regularly, etc., he's been able to adjust how he does training sessions and how he does an analysis. So, one of the things that they talked about this week in the press was the fact that he is doing video sessions every day but shorter video sessions to sort of get to the point each day to try and drill home different points um it was, i thought it was an interesting article so basically what they were doing is they were condensing that into one session when the games were coming thick and fast and it was like a two-hour session and obviously the messages were just weren't going in you know i think your concentration goes done there after yeah, a certain amount of time yeah it's natural isn't it yeah, I, I think so. Um, and so he he's now done that, and he's breaking it down like in the bite-sized chunk, so to speak. And the players, I think you can definitely see a difference. You can definitely see a more a better tactical awareness of what's going on and where they need to be. Um, you know, Kane picks the ball up, and people are running now. You know, there's no, there's none of this static crap. Um, Romero brings the ball forward, especially Benson or Hoybier anyone uh, dire and you're, you're seeing people move constantly and trying to create space find space these these are all things that sound basic but they just weren't happening before that head that headed assist for sonny's was it yeah, the, the yeah. goal from kane that was sublime sam wasn't it yeah, I mean, it, it, he put it on funny. a plate for him, or he headed it on in, in basically onto a plate for him. Yeah, um, because I, <clears> like again, I, social media is just a bizarre place. Because like I, I saw that in real time, and I thought, no way did he mean that. You know, do you know what I mean? Like I kind of looked there, thought, no way. He's just glanced at, and he hadn't seen Sonny. There's no way. And then they showed the replay, 
and the ball's coming to him, and so he's taking his eye off the ball to properly look yeah. over his shoulder to see yeah. Sonny's run. Yeah. Then he changes the angle of his body so the defender can't get to the ball and nods it round the corner. So it was 100% a, a decision he made and a skill to do it. Mm. And I'm just blown away by that. I, I, genuinely, I thought that was one of the best assists you'll see. And people are just like, what? Because he just headed it on, like Wimbledon style, <sighs> up and under. I'm like, you, you've got no idea, have no. you? It's like, you've got, you've got no idea the skill that went into actually doing that. that. That's something else. To cushion it, to get it the direction. The fact that the ball was coming to him and he has the time and the belief just to glance, then do that. Uh, everything about that was brilliant <laughs> and it just again I, I just can't get over social media one of the things is um Sonny got a hat trick that weekend I mean this is this is strange thing I mean we scored five the previous game four this game and Kane's not got one of yeah, them yeah nine goals and he hasn't got yeah, one <laughs> I mean that that you, you at the start of this season last season the season before that just would never happen we we just didn't generate goals from other sources really probably Kane and Son and that's it it might fall in off somebody else occasionally but but not not really so it's a big change but with Sonny's hat trick that actually takes him to 10th in our all-time goal scorer chart yeah that is insane isn't it that is insane I mean that's when you think about his career with us as being purely with Kane and Kane is just barreled in goals every season, really, for us. You know, 20-plus goals a season striker is something me and you dreamt of. And now me and you are seeing two of them at the same time. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. um, I, I do think I need to talk about Sonny as well, because it was only a few weeks ago, the the, the rumours of him leaving and the and the seeming impact that had on him in his confidence. Oh, I talked about it on the podcast, and me and you were kind of like, it don't doesn't make sense, you know. He, he's such a smiling, happy assassin, so to speak, as a football player. So clinical, he, he was definitely off the boil. Um, but he refound that in a big way, um, you know, in the last few weeks. Um, the rumours haven't gone away, by the way. There's still that really strong rumour Bayern Munich going to make a big offer for him in the summer. But perhaps it wasn't that that got to him. Perhaps he just genuinely was just having a dip for a few weeks, um, mm. which which happens to everybody. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, a lesson not to read too much into things. Um, sometimes you just got to go, yeah, he's having a bad time. I do think perhaps my experience with Ericsson and Delhi's harmed me with that. Because, like, I don't know how many weeks or seasons I kept saying about both of those players. Yeah, well, you know, it's just a bit of a dip in form. They'll get it back. You know, and Ericsson, by the time he left, was a shadow of the player he had been earlier for us. Delighted to see him playing so well again now, by the way. Uh, but Delhi, you know, Delhi it just still hasn't got it back. No, he's, he seems like he's <laughs> lost it for good, doesn't he? And I'm like, you know, any week now, yeah. <laughs> any week, the old Delhi, here we go, here we go. And it's just like never happening. So mm. when, I, when I see a player dip now, I do have a kind of panic attack, I think, like an internal, oh no, <laughs> this is it, we're doomed. <laughs> um, also at the start of this season, um, I, I think... Well, me and you were having conversations about Harry Kane and, you know, the goals flowing and Conte came in and we did that show where we placed our bet. 
Um, and me and you were very different. But you were like, no, nope, Conte's here now. Kane's just going to go from strength to the strength. And I was like, I can't see it. It's like, to me, it's like it's not a switch. And if it is a switch, I'm going to really be annoyed at him because <laughs> he's been so crap. Um, but he, he definitely, um, I mean, definitely mentally, he wasn't at the races the start of the season. And I don't think anyone could have convinced me at that point that I'd be towards the end of the season and him in a Tottenham shirt would be playing to this level yeah. again. I, I don't... I just just because I thought he is so mentally checked out, it is, he's done. You know, it just that's how it felt to me. Um, but now you just can't... You know, the the level he's playing at is, is something else. Uh, look, it's, 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 no, it's, it's not uh, difficult to see how hungry Harry Kane is as a, as a player, as a person. Yeah. You know, it's just that's yeah. what drives him. And, it, and it, you can see the desire. He wants to win trophies. He wants to retire with trophies. And he wants to, reti- you know, you get the feeling even now he wants to retire having won trophies with his boyhood club. You know, yeah. and I think when when Nuno uh, turned up, he just probably thought this is never going to happen. You know, we've gone down from Champions League to Europa Conference, and yeah. we've got a manager who's you know decent, decent manager, but you know he's not going to pull up trees at Spurs. And and I think yeah. now Conte's come in, who has who who is who has got the pedigree. Yeah. He's thinking maybe maybe the dream's on again, you know. Did you yeah. know what I, I I liked? Um, I think you mentioned it in the chat that you get so many pundits, so many football players, ex-football players, you know, people in the game, mm-hmm. who just are trying to get Kane out of the club, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really good to see Gerard, wasn't it? Actually. Yeah, I was pleased about that. Yeah. yeah. I, um, it was refreshing. Any anyone who missed it, uh, Stephen Gerrard in his. Uh, pre-match press conference end of the game was asked the Harry Kane question. You know, oh, you know, does he need to leave Tottenham? And he he basically answered it um, from a very personal point of view, which was that he felt that any trophies won in his career would mean more winning them at Tottenham. And he said, and that's certainly his experience. And he felt the richer for that when he had opportunities he could have left and won league titles and you know abroad or in England um so it it was actually really quite refreshing to hear that and it kind of the funniest thing about it is if you actually find it in the press conference you can see just how pissed off all the journalists look yeah they don't want to hear that they're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's not gonna sell yeah maybe the Tottenham fans will read it but no one else is gonna like it's it so oh, true. you know and, you know, they kept sort of trying to needle him on it, like trying to get him to say, yeah, but, you know, you'd won the Champions League, you know, Liverpool. And it's like, and, he's like, and he um, even said, uh, he said, well, yeah, but you could make that argument that, you know, Harry was one game away from doing that at Tottenham. You know, it's like, that was luck. He said, mm. I got no, <clears throat> no shadow of a doubt that we had some angel watching over us that night, coming back from 3-0 down, you know, in the Champions League final to win it. He said, now, <clears throat> on a, he said, would I have left if we'd lost that game? He said, I was on the fence even though we'd won it. He said, so, I don't think so. He said, ultimately, the decision came, you know, what would mean more to me? He said, now, Harry, <clears throat> after that final, was left with a position of, you know, Okay, we're right here. We can do it. He said the club have 
not been able to capitalize on that since then but now you know and then he talked about content and stuff so he, he basically echoed a feeling that a lot of us as fans have had which is you know we were right there and then and then we weren't um so from kane's point of view he probably did feel like i have to go like this club is just not backing is not doing what i want to do um you know losing a final is is one of those things and I I've said it and I've said it in a kind of angry way <laughs> which um an annoyed way and and it is you know it is true which is Kane has not performed for Tottenham in a final you know and in the time he's been with us he's played in three finals I think two league cup one champions league which is a strange mix isn't it yeah <laughs> uh, but these three finals he's played in, and I think someone pointed out to me five semi-finals. He's not scored once in any of that. Um, he's and, and genuinely by his own high standards, any of us watching those games knows he hasn't performed well in any of those games. It is aggravating, therefore, when a player turns around and says, "Oh, you know, I'm not really winning trophies at this club. I need to go somewhere else." And you're like, "Well." Hang on, <laughs> you have had the opportunities at this club. Yeah, of course. You know, it, and it's, it's it's kind of like a strange mentality because when you look at Kane, you look at someone who's driven to be the best. You know, he's driven. He works ridiculously hard to achieve these goals, and he wants to achieve them himself. If he was that bang out of form, right in a final, and he's playing at Man City, Pep Guardiola sits him on the bench. Yeah. Now. Does winning a trophy from the bench mean more to you than playing and winning? I I don't I don't see it. Now, now me personally, I don't get it. But then I don't get the whole trophies. Individual merit is based on a team trophy. I mean, you have talked about this so many times. Like the West Brown scenario must be the best damn defender in the history of the world if we're doing that. Mm. And I've talked about, and I I can rattle off player names, and people are like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, who? Someone said to me the other day, um, a goalkeeper. He's the third choice keeper at Chelsea. He was homegrown, and they literally signed him to hit the quota. He never played one minute for him, but he's got two Premier League winners' medals and a Champions League medal. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but the funny thing is, is they changed the rule. Like years ago, you had to play X amount of games, X amount of minutes to get these medals, and then they changed it to basically now. Now we've got a name squads. You know, it's not someone's fault if you know they're not playing. It's a squad game, and everyone's like, "Yeah, you're right. It is a squad game." So therefore, the squad should get the medals. I'm fine with that because that's true. You know, a goalkeeper who's number one might not be number one if his number two isn't pushing him every day in training. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. But yeah, this guy, two two Premier League medals and a Champions League medal, never kicked a ball, but they're on his wall. Mm. Now, mm. <laughs> does, is that guy, therefore, a better keeper than Lloris? No. <laughs> no. I, so that whole narrative thing just drives me insane. Um, but uh, yeah, you you do hear it constantly. And I, and I do think when you finish your career... Harry Kane would like to finish his career, look back and remember a final where he played well and he won. I think that definitely probably eats at him at the moment. It's not even Spurs, is it? I mean, obviously, it happened with England, didn't it, in the Euros? Exactly. Well, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I, I think he needs he needs to feel that because the other problem is, of course, the longer it goes, the more you create 
the self-doubt. You create the the monkey on your back. Tottenham as a club has it. We have that monkey on our back. Until we finally win a trophy again, we are going to have that thing and it just won't go away. Kane, I think, is feeling that as an individual as well as being part of the club. I think perhaps in his mind he was like, look, if I just go somewhere and I win something, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's it, it's gone. I mm. don't ever have to have that asterisk next to my name for my entire career of, like, Harry Kane, the best striker England have ever produced, but he never won anything. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. and I think that is what is driving him insane. Yeah. Um, But under Conte, with us right now, the way he's transformed things, you... I mean, I can't speak for him, but I, I would think if it was me, I'd be feeling very positive again about, okay, all right, this this actually feels good again. This actually feels like we've turned the corner. Here's a manager as well who's made it a pretty abundantly clear, no two ways about it, don't read between the lines, he's literally saying the words, give me what I want or I'll walk. <laughs> and he said that wherever he's gone, to be fair to him, yeah. hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will win this if you give me this. Mm. If you don't give me this, it tells me that you don't want to win and yeah. therefore I'm not staying. Yeah. And I think Kane cleverly this time, I, I think he felt that way about Mourinho. And I think when we sat Mourinho, that was when Kane you know, switched off. I think that was when he decided he wanted to leave. I think with Kane now, with Conte, I think his camp, his new PR team, if you like, have been a lot more clever about the way they position things because they've not shot down any new contract rumours, they've not shot down anything like that, they've not talked up transfers this time. What they've done is they've basically hitched him to Conte because they know that if Conte goes, then the odds of Tottenham replacing him with a manager of that level are next to zero. Yeah, exactly. And Harry needs to go as well. Yeah. So by pitching him to him, by you think about it, every interview, every now and really go over it in your mind, the narrative in the press now is those two are locked. They're like interlinked. They they are one in the same symbiotic relationship. If Conte walks, Kane walks with him. If the clubs sell Kane, apparently Conte's made it clear he won't be happy about that either. You know, so they they quite cleverly have made this almost packed of right. We'll we'll drag this club to glory, or we'll walk away. And that's um, and that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I agree with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. To me, the situation with Kane last year was how he handled it. That is still disappointing me to this day. We don't need to go over it again. I think at the end of this season, if Conte goes because the club aren't matching his ambition, I would literally say, Harry, just hand in a transfer request. You don't have to worry about the money. You need to make a statement. And I'd almost like, if a load of players did, I'd almost go, I don't blame any of you. Mm. You know, I'd like, there's no part of me that blames any of you in this moment because the club have just gone, we're ambitious, we're ambitious, ooh, not that ambitious, mm. ooh. And, and yeah, you, 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 you have every right to then say, sod you. You know, yeah. I'm done here. Yeah, completely. I agree. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are with all of these things. I did, you did touch on it a little bit earlier on, and I do have to bring it up because I want to get your opinion. For the last two rounds of games, if we could have written the results we wanted beforehand, we've pretty much got them. Has that does that? 
please you or is that making you really nervous that we've basically just done all our luck in in a couple of weeks? <laughs> it's not going to run out, Seth, don't worry. Is, 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 it a, is it a Tottenham fan thing that I can't even look at good things and go, oh, no, yeah. it's going to come back to bite us? I think it's, I think it's because of... of of the season, really, isn't it? You know, like yeah. th- if this was the Pochettino season, I think it would be completely different. But um, yeah. it's just because of the topsy turvy nature of the last couple of couple of years. That's why we're feeling yeah. like it. But it, 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 look, it's it's this time of year, isn't it, where yeah. everything gets dissected, right? You're looking at you're looking at Arsenal's fixtures. You're looking at yeah. um, Man United's fixtures. Yeah. You just every like. I don't know if you're the same as me, but this is what I'm doing. I'm just looking at everything, looking at every connotation. Why? Yeah. And I saw an article uh, a couple of days ago, and it was laying into Lacazette at Arsenal, and it was yeah. it was saying that he's almost dropped back to like a like a number um, number ten or like Kane basically, yeah. and it's it's allowed um, that their other their other their 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 fours like. Uh, um, Forget the double double barrel surname guy, um, yeah. Smith Rowe. Is that his name? Uh, Smith Rowe. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, and... Yes. Yeah. But he's been found out now. Like this, yeah. this system has been found out, and so he's the last, I think, five or six games. He's not been as productive as he was uh, at, the, at you know earlier yeah. in the season. So it feels like Arsenal have had that. That's why they mm. were getting these fantastic results, and now yeah. and they're dropping off a bit. You know. And I feel like we're doing a similar thing with Kane, but thankfully mm. we've got, I would argue, better players up front in Sun and Kulusevski, and also you know some of the. I'd say I'd say Arsenal have got some fantastic young attacking talent, but they are young. Yeah, I think I think the big big difference is Kulusevski is twenty one, but that guy's played like three seasons at the top level of international and Serie A. And Sonny is just, you know, Sonny, he's, he's a world-class player. And Kane is world-class as a 9 or a 10. I don't think that Lacazette is at all. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. And, and so that's why he's been sort of found out. So, look, I, I, yeah. I don't I don't know what's going to happen in the, in the last uh, no. seven or eight games. But you'd, but you'd like to think that, I mean, Arsenal got Man United as well. And they've got uh, Chelsea. Their, their game in hand on us is against Chelsea. I didn't realise that. Yeah, and they've got Man United as well. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think our sticking point is going to be the Liverpool. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not saying every other game's given. I'm not saying no, Saturday's game's no, given. I'm not, not saying any of them are given. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that the Liverpool away game. If you look at our fixtures, we've got Liverpool away followed by Arsenal at home in the space of six days. That is the first time we'd have had fixtures that close together, and they are probably the two biggest fixtures for us. Yeah, sure. Because it looks like Liverpool Man City is going to go to the wire for the title, so there's going to be no let up from Liverpool in that game. You know, there's not going to be like Liverpool are eight points clear and cruising. Oh, you know, we got a cup game coming up. Let's take our foot off the pedal. They're at it every single game. Um, we will have to be at a level. Um, to, to be able to compete and to win that game and then we're going to have to maintain that level because the one thing I've noticed with Arsenal in recent years and it's bothered me a lot they seem to be far more up for the derbies than we are um, I don't know whether that's a fair assessment but it just feels to me like 
when we get the derby games, no matter the form or anything like that, and we always talk about form goes out the window in the derby, they seem to be up for They seem to really fight for it. Even games we've won, I'm kind of like, damn, you know, they just seem so much more fired up to beat us than we seem to be that way about them. And that could just be a reflection of the change that's happened, where we have been above them for a few years. But I, I hope that Conte going into that... You know, you can almost look at the Liverpool game and say, right, you know, we get anything from Anfield, well done. We win against Arsenal. Like, there is no second chance. There is no kind of, um, you know, I, I will accept a draw or maybe a narrow defeat at Anfield, but you've got to smash Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got to beat them. Yeah, yeah if, if, we, if we lose to Arsenal, then... Yeah, I mean, and that's it. I mean, you can... You can look at it all these different ways possible, and you, yeah, there's still points to play for and stuff. But that game is what is going to decide fourth place, I think. Oh, completely. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, okay, it is time to head over to social media because it is time to pick up some questions from our fellow Spurs fans. Now it's time for your comments from our social media. Right then, I'm not going to give you the option this week, and the reason why <laughs> is because I've saved all of these things on my phone, and it is all over the place, because people have been sending in questions like all week. You've taken <laughs> so, all the fun away from my... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man, but the, like, the first one, like for example, was sent last Saturday night, uh, and it says, Hi Sam and Matt, I'm not one for public posting, but if you'd like to answer this on the next podcast, go ahead, but maybe just use my first name. Okay. That's not going to happen. <laughs> His name is Anthony Cunningham. <laughs> Cunningham. Cunningham, that, that's like a... Wasn't that in Happy Days? I, th- I never used to watch it, Sam. Oh, show my age. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, I can't... Yeah, Richie Cunningham, I'm sure of it. Someone let me know, please. Message me after this when you've heard it. And don't think someone would have already done it either. Really, please. I don't care if I get 20 of them. I just need to know. Um, I can't find the episode, but if I remember correctly, wasn't Sam sceptical about Conte when we were originally linked to him in the summer? Personally, I've always been hoping for his appointment, but I'd love to know, has he won Sam over yet? Uh, or does he still have doubts? We're playing some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Cheers and keep up the good work. Uh, yeah, I was very sceptical. Very sceptical. Um safe to say me and you went back and forth on it debating it quite a lot um i my skepticism came around two things one i felt he could never work with daniel levy <laughs> still remains to be seen by the yeah, way sure. <laughs> um and two i felt that our record of hiring ex chelsea managers would suggest that this is not a good idea um my my preference i think of everyone had gone towards Pochettino coming home or Ten Hag um, ironically that seems to be the debate Man United have been having for yeah. a while um, but yeah I I was very sceptical has he won me over? Absolutely he has um, he actually won me over fairly quickly and, and the reason why was um, like I, I watch the managers quite a lot, I watch kind of the interactions I listen to a lot of what's being said and there's a few journalists who I rely on because they're very, very good at what they do. And their initial feedback from having conversation with them is like, 
this guy like breathes his job like this guy is like wow <laughs> you know we've been talking to nuno for a few weeks we've been doing you know we talked to jose all these you know jose the born winner and all that crap and you know i had pochettino and everything and they're like this guy from the very first moment he's walked through the door and he's making assessments on everything it's like straight away he took the job and then it was like okay the walk from here to there is too long. I need this. I need this. Like we need benches put there. I need a camera there. I need, and everyone's like, "What?" He's, he's just like straight away. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew exactly where he wanted to be, and he worked with the players constantly. And he kept saying in press conferences, "Like you know, I can't make an assessment yet. It's like I walked through a door. From the outside, I had an idea. From the inside, it's very different." And I think perhaps from the outside, he looked at certain players and thought, "Oh." They're they're tidy, but they're out of form. And then he worked with them and went, ah, yeah, actually, there's problems. Like you don't train well, or you do. And perhaps there's some players on the outside. You thought, oh, they're done. You know, they're they're no good. And then he gets there, and he realizes they're working their asses off. And he's like, oh, okay, you just need some luck. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, a, a really interesting thing about Ryan Sessegnon. Ryan Sessegnon got sent off in his first opportunity to impress the new manager, and kind of thought he was done. And Conte apparently didn't speak to him after the game. And so Sessegnon's thinking, oh, wow, I've just blown my chance. And then the very next day in training, kind of put his arm around him and said, you know, you need to learn from that. And you will learn from that. And we will get better. You will get better. You know, and that was it. Mm. Done. And Ryan Sessegnon was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, uh, okay, I, I, I'm going to get another chance. Poor sod can't shake off injuries to, for love nor money. Yeah, right? luckily he's got age um, on his side. <clears throat> yeah, he does. He does, and that's it. He's still got a good ten years ahead of him in yeah. top flight football. Um, he just needs to get over this. But yes, thank you, Mister Cunningham. Um, I, I'm not doing the whole what people's names sounds like this week. That that caused some controversy last <laughs> week. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know what to do. Um, Ryan Miller sent a message saying, "How is it that we sell Foyth, Capoue, loan out Lachelso, and now they've somehow managed to make it to a Champions League semi-final with Villarreal?" Don't forget um, Aurier as well. It's like yeah, second yeah. suppose eleven up there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they um, hell of a side under an ex-Arsenal manager. Um, I know. Yeah, you can yeah. make it up, could you? Yeah, it's, it's funny, really. I mean, to be honest with you, Foyth was always a player. I always really liked uh, Wan. He's one Foyth of our defence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always thought he was great. Uh, Kapui, to be honest with you, at Watford was a very tidy player. I don't think he ever really showed that for us. Uh, the Chelsea things were ridiculous by the way um i watched him basically win man of the match the other day and he was something else he was defending around the box putting his body on the line driving forward with the ball picking out passes like pete maradona and i'm just sat there I'm like really and this wasn't against <laughs> really? mugs was it this guy's no, no this is against top team top opposition and i'm like you're kidding me i watched you like basically fall over your own feet for three months, mm. get injured constantly, go over Argentina, come back injured again. You go on loan to Villarreal and you're happy. But the, I said it last week and I'll say it again. Sometimes players play better in certain leagues, certain environments, and he is clearly happier in Spain. Yeah, completely. Do you know, do you know I wanted to mention as well, um, as we're on the subject of Champions League football, did yeah. you see <laughs> Did you see what happened with the uh, Men City, Atletico Madrid um spat uh, between well, I kind of kind of heard about it I didn't watch the game it's, so. it's really funny um, I don't know if it was Savage that made the tackle but he's basically 
kicked um, Foden. Foden's ro- rolling around, but it's to the left of the of the touchline, so he's off the pitch. Yeah. And he rolls, and he rolls about four times, and then he looks looks over, realizes that he's off the pitch, and then just rolls a couple more times onto the pitch. Oh <laughs> no! So I hate that. So the, the the commentators are saying that basically what happens is. Savage comes up and the commentators are suggesting that he's trying to make out he's not injured by lifting yeah. him up. But he's not. All he's doing is similar to rugby. He's trying to pull yeah. him off the pitch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and to be fair, right, okay, it was aggressive the way he did it. But I, yeah. part of me is thinking, I don't blame I, I you, don't mate. I don't blame you at yeah, all cause... in that instance. Yeah. If someone goes down and they're down and they're hurt, you know they're down and they're hurt. And you tend to sort of look and you're all bloody all right. Yeah. And you walk off. If someone's down and they do four rolls, a quick somersault, a 6.1 pike, <laughs> and then roll back onto the pitch... They're fine. Watch it, Sam. <laughs> you know? Watch it. Honestly, it's, it's right, embarrassing. Right, he, he rolls four times, looks a lot, yeah. on six the line, then rolls twice it's, onto it's the pitch. It's funny because on on Twitter is like there is a real narrative that you know when you play against Spanish teams stuff like that, they play act. And it's like the commentary team during this game have really gone on about how dirty Atletico Madrid are, and yet not one mention of the English players rolling around yeah. like they've been murdered yeah, yeah. just to get back up again. Oh, no. Like, oh, was I off the pitch? Was I? Oh, I didn't realise. You know. I will. I will look at. I, I have been meaning to. I was going to do it before the pod, but just in case it was funny enough to talk about, it, but I had a chance. So. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous. Next message came in from Barry Fowles. Uh, Barry says. Great pod as usual, guys. A bit late listening this week. That was obviously last week's show. Uh, I agree about Sonny's third goal against Newcastle. What was even more pleasing for me is that Sonny had missed that Doherty was right there to tuck it in. I can't even remember what we said. <laughs> I, I can't remember what I said yesterday, thing. let alone last week. No, no, is this, is this an age thing? I'm really worried now. Do you know, do do you know I what I had? He agrees uh, with us, so yes. Yes. yes 100%. I, had, I don't know if this is an age thing, but the other mm. day I was talking to someone at work and uh, you must have experienced this. And she said something, and I was like, I've got a really good thing to come back with. But you know when you sort of give a little bit of a preamble? Yeah. So I'm going through the preamble, I'm like, I've just literally forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> and most of the you time... just try and keep going to see if No, I said, I said in. to her, I said to her, I said, I've just forgotten, right? And then I got the train home, and I'm like, mm. I genuinely have got no clue what I was going to say. And to this day, and this happened a few days ago... I've got no yeah. idea. Like it used to, that they used to come back to me, right? Uh, but it doesn't uh, anymore. Uh, oh dear. Um, all right. Well, when we get off, there, there's some there's some telephone numbers I can give you, and uh, you know, some people who will help. Uh, but basically, uh, Barry goes on to say, um, uh, speaking of getting stuck in, he talks about the he says over exuberant um, challenges from Aston Villa. Uh, he said Villa were a touch over exuberant. Gerard had definitely got them up for the game. Great performance from Hugo to keep us in it. Hearing Doherty's potentially out for the season. Well, yeah, you're right, he is. Um, but Barry's kind of point is he felt that we lacked a on-the-pitch kind of captain in that instance where the challenges were flying in and you kind of needed someone from the Tottenham point of view to take charge. Um, I, I do know what you... Well, I think I know what you mean, but I did see quite a lot of Kane... Uh, and Hoybier actually really on at the ref, <laughs> you know, like, see, the thing that angers me in that situation is that football is a physical game, and, and it should be, but when the referee isn't protecting 
players, typically what happens is a Tottenham player will then put a challenge in over level and get booked. Mm. And you're like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. Yeah. And Hoybier picked up a, I think it was Hoybier, got booked for practically nothing. And you could see, like, his face was just like, oh, okay. All right, because I've been on at you, I put in one challenge and now I've gone in the book. All right, whatever. You know, I can uh. see how this is going. But um, I it's funny because you look at these things. The, the player who I love to have been out there in all of this is the one that you look at as a, the most... And if you just looked at him, you'd think, nah, you look at him, he's such a sweet baby face. It's Oliver Skip. Yeah, yeah. Skip would have loved that game yeah. because within a minute, he'd have cracked someone and stood over him and just sniffed. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just walked off because <laughs> yeah. that kid, he's merciless. Honestly, I've been watching him play since he was 15, 16 years old and he's been playing against kids 21, 22, 23 and just wrecking them. And he does. He just stands over them. Yeah. He just stands over and looks at them and walks off. Oh, he's he's yeah, he's next level, and I hope the kid's back soon. He'd have loved that game. I have to call him Ollie the Merciless from now on. <laughs> Ollie the Merciless, yeah, <laughs> just like Polynesian Dan on here. Um, uh, the next question we got in is from Matthew Fleming. He says, with Doherty's recent upturn in form, though unfortunately he's now out injured, is right wing back still a big focus for recruitment in the summer? Uh, I'd like a new option myself, but Doherty's form does speak for itself. Um, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that's fair as well. I think the big thing about Matt Doherty as well is he's, even though he's a Republic of Ireland international, he came through the Wolves Academy. So for the Premier League, he's classed as homegrown. Um, even if you were to sign someone who would be your first choice, perhaps, having him in the squad's not a bad thing. Uh, at the moment, and these next run of games where he has to play could perhaps blow this out of the water. I don't see um, Royale. Emerson Royale as as the right wing back. No. I, I don't see it personally. No. Uh, Ryan Miller again says, if Deli Alley continues to sit on the Everton bench for the rest of the season and is then sold in the summer, would that mean Spurs don't receive any money for him due to the unique fee structure? I asked this question of someone far more in the know than me recently and he said the one thing about transfers and stuff like that is there's no way on this earth Tottenham would have done a deal where they could potentially end up with nothing Yeah. so there will be clauses in that contract along the lines of if sold before hitting these parameters or anything like that we get X or we are due X Tottenham basically bent over backwards to help Everton with that deal and to help the player who wanted to go um, and there, but we wouldn't end up out of pocket unless they let him go no for way. a free <laughs> well I, I, I'd, I'd be amazed because you know there were a few clubs in the Premier League willing to pay 10 million for him then and there um, but we did the deal with Everton because that was where he wanted to go Everton couldn't do that but did the deal with us where, in essence, it's a loan with a balloon payment at the end of it. Um, mm. But Everton, I don't know. Last week, I was kind of like, oh, they're going down. Oh, wow. This week, I don't think they are. I think the win over Man United is going to see them all right. I'm a little bit gutted about it. I'm not going to lie. There's part of me that's really sadistic. And I've got nothing against Everton. But it's just part of me. It was kind of like a big spectacle, big club like Everton yeah. going down. It's like, oh wow, that's big. Yeah, I was, the, I was um, the same. Um, it was weird because 
you know, from, from a results point of view for us, yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, yeah. But I was kind of like, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's really mind. weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, also I've got don't like Frank it. Lampard. Um, Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. that's my problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Jasperanis says, how much of a loss do you think Doherty will be? The players out on loan are doing really well, but do you think the Chelsea and Gill are too lightweight for Conte in the Premier League? Um, it's a great debate. Uh, Le Celso is playing well, but I think he's playing well because he's back in Spain, and you could argue that for Gill as well. I think the club rolled the dice on Gill because he was quite phenomenal, obvious talent. And if you've watched him play for Valencia before he picked up a injury last couple of weeks, he he was outstanding. The kid was uh, brilliant. So. I think the club need to assess it and need to work out what they want to do. I think if offers come in that are, are, you know, our valuation, they're, they're both be sold personally. Yeah. I think if Conte is the manager, neither <clears throat> of them are touching the first 11. No. And he would much rather use the funds to buy players that he wants in that first 11. I mean, look, look, you, you, you look at, um, Lo Celso and, uh, and Gil and like you say they're they're flying in, in the uh, Spanish league and then you look at the players that we've that he's replaced them with almost like you know Bentancur and Kulusevski who are flying in the Premier League you yeah. know so it, it, you make an argument that possibly the Celso and Gil are better players I don't know but it's like like you said certain players or most players suit certain leagues don't they and and yeah. and and that's 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 the long and short of it, you know. The Celso might be a fantastic player, Brian Gill might be a yeah. fantastic player, but it's it's irrelevant when you come to yeah. the the yeah. Premier League, you know. Which is why you look at the players we've got now that have come in, like Kulusevski is, like you said earlier earlier today, he's just flying, isn't he? He is, yeah. You know, Bentancur, yeah. you don't, you no one really talks about him, but the guy has slotted his, has slotted in he's seamlessly. Seamless. Like he's, he's like he's been at the club ten years. Yeah, he just he just played, and the funny thing as well is like, you see him play, like, I see his name on the team sheet and stuff like. It just feels like he's been there forever. It yeah. just feels like he's, and to me, I think that's a really big compliment because it just feels like. They're they're part of the team straight away. They're part of it, but it also, um, you know, and this isn't meant as a negative thing, but I do think it just comes back to that when we went through that time where we made no signings at all. You kind of think to yourself, look at the positive impact on everyone. That not just making signings, but making positive signings in a window, any window, because this was a January window, which typically we're like, oh no, you can't do business in January. It's so tough. But we've managed to make two positive signings who have impacted the team and clearly impacted the squad as well. I mean, you've got to look at Kulisevsky, or Kudi, as they're all calling him. I don't get that, but apparently that's his nickname. <laughs> um, they, they all love him. Yeah. Like, you've got Sonny and everyone like that talking about him um, in like this interview that's been translated from Korean uh, football magazine, where he's saying, oh, it's like, uh, it's like we've always played together, you know, it's like, you know, we've been together for years. And I think he even said after the game the other day, it's like, oh, you know, the three of us are really, fuck, really clicking and, you know, we're only going to get better, which... <laughs> Probably terrifying for defences. Yeah, do you know what did make me laugh? And I don't know if you noticed it as well, but when when Kulusevsky scored his goal, is this about regular? What was going on there? Now, now I tell you this, you're never not going to be able to see it, and it's hilarious. Go on. Regulon copies the goal scorer. Right, 
everyone. <laughs> Every single time we score, if he can get there, he copies their celebration. Is that what he was doing? He does it with Sonny. <laughs> he does it with Kane. And when Kulusevski scored, he whacked his knees and was like, ah, oh, come on. And then Regulon <laughs> did it to mirror him. Now I've told you, you can't miss it. It's brilliant. But do you know, it's it just the intensity. So but it's the intensity, did it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, he goes for it. This kid's an actor. He's a born showman. He is, yeah. I genuinely now because someone pointed out to me before the game they said oh if if Regulon's on the pitch apparently he copies the celebrate I was like oh really I've never noticed that and I thought to myself oh I've seen him do it with Son a couple of times and there you go I watched it and of course he's on the get he comes on and the minute like yeah Kulusevski scores and I'm watching I watch him run up and do it I'm like oh no he does he does he really does I love him though I love it I love it and do you know do you know you was talking about the um, the North London derby and how how, uh, Arsenal always seem to be more up for it yeah. Regulon, even though he's from Spain, oh, and yeah, he's got no, that kid's yeah, that kid's ready to fight all yeah, of them. Yeah. yeah, do you know what? Yeah, he's, I've he's, said this before. He's got Tottenham in his blood, and he's just passionate, isn't he? You know, you can really yeah, see that. He, he loves, he loves his football. Yeah. Um, he, he again, someone else. There's a fantastic interview which was translated from Marca to English a little while back. Um, this is when Conte had not been long been at the club, and he was talking about the transition from being left back to left wing back. And he was talking about how difficult he found it, but how he absolutely loved the challenge. Just like, you know, I'd settled into this is my career, you know. But as a kid, you know, I played like as a striker, I played as a midfielder, he said. But as a professional, I was like drilled into me. This is my role. This is what I do. And now someone's come along and said, right, no, no, this is what you do. Now, this is how you play. And he's like, it's a real challenge. And then he, they were talking to him about like... um results and like games and I think he'd been booked or he'd done something or another and they brought it up and he said well he said I, I never back down he said I grew up smaller than most people he said you gotta you gotta realize if you want to play a physical sport like football you, you know you can't shy away you know sometimes I'm going to be playing against a six foot six striker who's going to tower over me mm. I can't allow that to be you know to intimidate me, I gotta be in their face. And they talked to him about uh, derby games and stuff like that. <laughs> he said, and he said, "Oh, he said the best thing about the Premier League is there are so many derbies. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. it's like there are so many games. <laughs> he loves it. Like, a murder." <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, you're absolutely bang on with him. I, I don't think the Arsenal game's gonna come in any sort of. You're not gonna get a shy version of him. Anyway. No, no. Uh, next one is James Campbell who says who is actually the bigger problem Daniel Levy or Joe Lewis and Enoch what I mean by this is if we were sold to a really rich owner who actually cared for the football results and wanted to put money in would keeping Levy and his business acumen be okay or do you think that the real change at the club he has to go as well do you know it's interesting because you know, it's we a we difficult get, question to answer that yeah but do you know what right? I, I, we get like a lot of they get look I'm not defending them but I'm just sort of looking at it from almost from a kind of a devil's advocate kind of point of view really yeah like we've we've we know and we've you've mentioned it on the podcast you've gone into a lot of detail that that there's just an investment and that that, that it's not an Abramovich situation or an ex-Abramovich situation or a Man City situation but you look at most most clubs most clubs Premier League you know that the owners are there it's an investment from most of the owners isn't it I mean like I, th- I think this is this perception that every owner is an Abramovich who just wants, to, who just sees the club as a, as a toy, you know. 
And, yeah. I, and I don't think that is the case. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but aren't most owners in it for the investment? Aren't they? Or is I, it... I, I, You do get an absolute combination. Uh, I mean, because, for example, and also I think the tiers of football makes a big difference. Ryan Reynolds bought Wrexham. He ain't going to make any money out of Wrexham. He clearly just wanted to divest and thought it'd be fun. <laughs> I have no idea so what random. that's about. So random. But, but yeah, and they're having fun, whatever. Um, you look at the Man United boys who all bought Salford. They're, they are driven. They want Salford to be a Premier League team one day. You know, they are like investing and they are working tirelessly to do that. That's a very different thing. In the Premier League, I think there are plenty of owners like Enoch who literally see the club as an asset because in the Premier League it's a money making machine you know the TV deal alone is the most lucrative TV of any sport in the world mm. so owning a club within that is massive for you and your portfolio if you like if you're that high end that a football club could be part of your investment portfolio sure um, but yeah you do but the the thing that I've always argued or the thing that I've always struggled with is the narrative that if you're a, a owner and you want, you're just happy taking a return. If you like your your club appreciating, nothing makes your club bigger than success. So I've always not quite understood the notion of you know kind of sitting in the Premier League, being happy to sit in the Premier League, because your your asset grows exponentially should you win things. Chelsea as I say this, spitting on the ground and turning around three times, are actually an example of that. Because Roman Abramovich took them from a bankrupt club, their stadium falling apart, and literally, I mean, people find this difficult to believe, but you won't because you're of the same age as me. They used to have a bucket at half-time to go around to the fans to put money in their change to be able to pay the staff. Mm. That was Chelsea. Abramovich put all of his own money in and now that club when it is sold and someone else owns it and all the Abramovich stuff is put to one side is a multi-billion pound industry it is a global brand juggernaut they would not be that without winning things yeah sure like you know you only got to look at Newcastle all the money that Newcastle have now got they could put money in hand over fist but if they don't win anything, Newcastle will stay just a Premier League team. Yeah. It's, it's the winning that takes you up. So, so yeah, Dan, the Dan, going back to the original question, it's difficult because you kind of look at it and you think, I wonder how different it would be if Joe Lewis turned around to Daniel and went, do you know what, before I die, I want to see us win that league. Yeah. Here's 500 million quid. Because of FFP, you can blow four hundred million in one window, and there's a hundred million. You know, just fucking spend it on agents. All you want, you know. <laughs> I don't care. Go, do it, Dan. Your go, boots. go and win. Go and go and win me something, Dan. I want to see it because you don't know if Daniel Levy then goes, "Oh, I got five hundred million to spend." All right, well that's that's a nice new housing complex around the corner. That's you know you don't know because he has never been in that position. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Um. Uh, I personally would like to think, and it's possibly just because I don't like thinking bad about a lot of people, but I would like to think in that situation, Daniel Levy would sit down with Paratici and Conte and go, 
guess what, boys? Yeah. <laughs> we're about to have some fun, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're, we're going to do this. How are we going to win the league? And this, we got the money now. How are we going to do it? I'd love to think, I'd love to feel that that is what would happen. Um, there is a massive rumour, of course, that that has happened. Um, the rumour is that Daniel Levy, because of the Newcastle deal, uh, apparently, is a major factor. Uh, but apparently Daniel Levy has somehow found funds for this summer of a scale because the fear is if Newcastle this summer go right let's buy that guy that guy that guy that guy (laughs) and Mm. the market's going to go crazy because of the money that's going to get pumped into it we very might well get left behind you know there's another club then that suddenly becomes a top four challenger overnight and that is an issue you know, at the moment there's six, maybe seven teams fighting for the top four, um, and then you throw another one in, it becomes even harder to compete. Mm-hmm. So yeah, apparently, but again, the rumors, the rumors, the rumors. Um, we do have one question from Instagram, and it's from a man with his own theme. Thundering down from on high, it's a comment from Mountain Man. Can't beat a question from the Mountain Man. Absolutely can not. Can't can't beat it. Absolutely. Um, given that Levy is historically highly unlikely to spend big this summer, and that's hilarious. Yeah, I've not read nice segue. <laughs> what is the bare minimum he will have to do to keep Conte and therefore Kane on side and committed to the club? I think, hopefully, Champions League football will be a big tick for Kane, but Conte will still demand, you know, players to 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 win. Um, he also says, "Keep up the good work." Thank you, very kind. Um, what is the minimum? What is the minimum? Two hundred million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 abundantly fair. Um, <laughs> if we weren't putting a figure on this, so so, what would be the minimum that the club would need to do? Um. It's so difficult because there is such a difference between how the club would be with Champions League and without. With the Champions League, I genuinely think there would be a marquee signing. Um, and it doesn't need to cost a lot. Like uh, Just using him as an example, and I don't think necessarily it would be him, but Paolo Dybala, 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 the guy we tried to sign before. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that bloke. Um <laughs> He signed in for Tottenham with, you know, arguably in his prime, um, would be a marquee signing. Uh, fans would feel great about that signing. Um, Gareth Bale signing on a deal to come in as well, or stuff like that. You could add those players to your squad with the sole purposes of Horses for Courses. Like someone said to me about the Gareth Bale deal when Jose had him for that season, it's like how poorly Jose managed him, and how a different manager would have used him just brilliantly. Mm. And I've got to be honest with you, I completely agree. How many times do we play against teams where we struggle because we just need that bit of magic or something? Yeah, yeah. That's Bale. Mm. You know, Bale just out of nowhere, can just chip onto his left and drill it. But the other factor of having a guy like that is that defenders know that. And you've also then got Kane, Sonny, Kulusevsky, other players. So you bring him off the bench, like, okay, we need a goal, Bentaker off, Bale's coming on, we're switching with an extra player up front. 
the defenders are then like, oh no, you know, we've yeah. got to watch him and I've got to keep an eye on him. And he can pass the ball brilliantly. He can still beat a man and he's still hitting shots right foot, left foot, and he's great in the air still. He still has that. And if Wales manage to make the World Cup, he will be motivated as hell for a team. Yeah. So, so uh, not so much just on him, but what I mean is Champions League football changes everything. We grab a top four spot. Conte can look at that and go, right, I can now sign the tier of player that I want to win the league. Because mm. that's his goal. Yeah. Conte wants to win the Premier League. He, you know, FA Cup, great. League Cup, you know, Champions League place, fantastic, do well, win the Premier League. That is his, in his brain, it's like, if I do that with Tottenham, everyone i could retire yeah. you know yeah, yeah, people yeah. forever will go wow mm. you know some coaches they do it at the clubs with all the money and everything you've gone into tottenham and you've transformed them you know we were in free fall when he arrived so yeah it is i think it changes massively i think if we fail in that i think if we are mm. in the europa league or you know heaven forbid the the farmers league as everyone likes to call it <laughs> The club it is very, very different. Mm. You you don't you're not able to sign the marquee player. Yeah, you are then trying to do deals for players who will lift the team whilst also showing the players you have that you have ambition. It is very difficult. There's no way that Kane and Conte wouldn't both feel impressed by. Paolo Dybala arriving. Yeah, of course. I'm butchering that. No, I think it's so funny. Dybala, Um, Dybala. Yeah, Uh, because you would feel like, oh, wow. But also, like the Sonny, the Kulisevsky, everyone like that would be like, oh, okay, I I need to be A1 every game Mm. because, you know, this guy's coming in. And you add those options because this is the other thing that right now, we're at the end of the season, we've been knocked out of everything but the league. Conte has this time between games. He knows next season he wants to be competing in two games a week, not you know, <laughs> not one a week. Mm. He wants a team and a squad that's able to do that. <clears throat> so changes have to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's difficult to say, but I I don't know what the, the, the I suppose the main answer is I don't know what the minimum would be. I think Conte will have a very clear vision in his mind of the positions that need addressing without necessarily having players in mind. I think he'll be like, this position, this position, this position, I need better. And then it's kind of down to Paratici to, to give him that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, that's it. That's all the questions. That's everything. Um, The next game for our glorious club is Brighton. Um, We host them this weekend. It's the early kickoff. Um. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? It's going to be an interesting one because it's um. Although it was Seb's birthday a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, I couldn't think of anything to do for his birthday. And with us living near Stevenage, tomorrow yeah. Friday, uh, they're playing Rochdale in a uh, six point. I don't actually. I don't know where Rochdale wow. are, but Stevenage is struggling. They need to win. Yeah. They won two nil against um Colchester last weekend. So yeah. we, it's, it's going to be me, him, and three of his mates. And I've asked them if they could do like a happy birthday stadium announcement at half time wow, for it and stuff. Nice. So hopefully it'll be a little bit special. And then, yeah, 20, less than 24 hours later, we're going to be in the stadium. So. A <clears throat> bit of a contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Only, only slightly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, looking for. It's, it's a, the, the, the midday kickoffs are really weird ones, aren't they? Because. Um, 
in my experience, um, and again, this is this is this sounds like I'm. I, don't, I mean, no disrespect to Brighton. I'm, I promise, I mean this because I'm not saying yeah. it's a given that we're going to beat them. No, but you you put us in again that air quote bigger club, and then when you're looking at midday kickoff, it's normally harder at the best of times to get the atmosphere going, yes. uh, because people tend to drink lots of alcohol like that's why the evening games are always so raucous because people are drink have drunk a lot and they're in that mood i mean when we was at the uh, west when me and said went to the west ham game honestly the atmosphere was insane in there you know yeah, and so i'm hoping that we if we can start the game on the front foot get us all up you know hopefully yeah. score an early goal hopefully it'll create the atmosphere but I'm just, I'm hoping that's what happens. I don't want it to be like 30 minutes in, we're struggling, everything's flat, you know. I feel yeah, like I we need to, with it being a midday kickoff, we need to come out the traps firing, get all the yeah. fans on side and hopefully generate that great atmosphere and hopefully have a, another fantastic game with lots of goals. I'm with you, man. I'm absolutely yeah. with you. Okay, uh, that is our show. A uh, massive thank you to everybody for listening, as always, and for everyone who's getting in touch. Uh, as our form has improved with the team, we've noticed a quick uptick in all of you coming back, you fair-weather fans. <laughs> you, you know who you are, um, and I can trace you. No, I can't. <laughs> I know what countries people listen in. We've now got a quite a significant following in South Africa. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, thank you. That's that's very kind. Um, and we've still got like five or six people listening in Australia every week. Our South Korea fan base is growing. So yeah, I don't know how people in South Korea can understand a word I say. <laughs> it's like yeah, the, the, the Matt guy sounds great. Then the farmer bloke talks, and none of us know what he's on about. But anyway, you left you, everybody. You'll have to do a whole <laughs> podcast episode just doing your London accent that you do. It's a uh, London. Yeah, oh. right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's still that well, website. I see, like... I, see, I see for Spurs news. Why his legs? Well, anyway, mate, you take care. I'll we'll speak to you next week. Take care, mate. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.